Hello there, my name is Mike Henley and I'm Deputy Chair of Consultants Committee and Chair of the Pay Terms and Conditions Subcommittee. And I'm going to talk to you today, a very short talk about the BMA Consultants Consultative Ballot, which we're taking over fixing pay, fixing pensions and fixing the pay review body. If you want to find out more, just type in pay, pensions, DDW reform onto Google and the top link will be the BMA uh, website on this. And the other tagline of this is turnout matters for this uh, for this ballot. I, I can't tell you this enough. It's not just people voting yes, it's how many people vote yes. It is really important that we convince all of our colleagues to participate in this. So the things we need to achieve are we need to sort out what's happened to our pay. We need to find some sort of path through the pension tax disaster. And we need to reset, this stuff doesn't happen again, the doctors and dentists review body to its founding principles so that we can have fair pay. Now, before I start the talk, I've got some quite bad news for you, actually. We've been discussing with government. Uh, and, and sadly, because of the financial situation and because of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine, etc., consultants are going to need to continue to work 12 months of the year, as they are currently. But unfortunately government is only going to be able to start paying us in May. So January, February, March and April, we're going to need to work for free. Uh, you don't mind, do you? Because obviously it's for the good of the nation and we can all do our bit and it's a lovely thing to do and we'll be totally respected in perpetuity. So hopefully you're all happy to sign up to that. Well, I am, of course, joking, but I'm only partly joking because here is what has happened to consultant pay since 2008. And the graph is shown uh, back to 2008 against retail prices index, which is the measure of inflation that the government uses if you owe them money. They use retail prices index. You can argue about which one to use, but that's the one they'll use if you owe the taxman money, if you owe them a student loan. And you can see that the bottom line, the hard line, if you look at our real terms take home pay back to 2008, we are to last April, not even this April, last April, we are already seeing a 35% decline. So we are already working all the way through to May without pay. You're already doing that. That's what's happening to you. So there is a joke, and the joke is unfortunately on us. The other thing I'd say is that the top line is, is the gross pay and cash terms. Remember that, 15%, that's what our pay's gone up in gross pay and cash terms. So let's look at the economy in general. These figures are from the Office of National Statistics, and you can see that during the same period that our pay went up by 15%, general pay across the economy has gone up by 40%. I think all of us can work out that is a big difference between the two. On top of that, we have increased uh, pension contributions for what is, in effect, uh, a not as good pension. What does that really mean, however, to an individual consultant? All of those things look a bit theoretical, don't they? Well, look, here is a table for you. Your pay point is down the left-hand side. The next column is where pay was in 2008-9. The next column are the pay points now, or well, 2021-22, which is where we based all these figures on because we have the data for that. If pay had kept pace with inflation is the next column, and you can see the difference in take-home pay if our pay had just kept up with inflation in the red column. So everybody is being underpaid to the tune of 31 to 42,000 pounds per year. That's just your pay keeping up with the cost of living. 
that's an enormous amount of money and I feel pretty sure that all of us would notice that as additional pay if we had it. So if you're feeling a bit more broke than you were, that is the reason. But it's not just your annual pay that makes the difference. And I know lots of us, and I'm going to come on to this in a minute, lots of us are worried about the impact on our on our pensions of pension taxation, but a much, much, much bigger impact is because of our pay erosion. And here is something that shows you this. This is an absolutely bare bones example. Made up person, coming up to retirement now, works 10 PAs, no on call, no CEAs. And you can see that their gross pay, if you look down the right hand side, their gross pay loss is 266,000. They're paying more in pension contributions, 58,000. But because of the impact on the, of that on their pension, their overall lifetime loss so far, if they're retiring now, and if they retire tomorrow, we can't fix it in time, the cumulative loss is £1.2 million. That's an incredible amount of money. Uh, if somebody had, say, six CEAs, did a bit of on-call, that's more like £1.5 Clearly, with more CEAs, the number is even bigger than that. And the younger you are, the worse that is. And that completely dwarfs the pension tax issues. Pen pay and pension are absolutely interrelated. You need to remember that. This is a graph which has got completely different axis from the one I showed you before. This is uh, out of ONS figures. It's published in the Financial Times. It just goes back to 2011, but it very graphically shows you what's happened to pay during that time. Uh, and you can see medical practitioners have dropped off the perch. Um, all workers, which is a sort of purpley pink, climbing nicely, which is what you'd expect. And then you'll notice at the top, train and tram drivers, I mean, every respect for them. The reason why their pay has kept pace is because they have stoutly defended their pay at every turn. And I think we can contrast that to what we've done so far as the medical profession. Now, fixing pensions, I totally agree, is a vital thing to do, and, and certainly it can be fixed. There are many options open to fix pensions, um, and we're happy to sit down with government and discuss a suitable one. Uh, they could give us a judicial scheme, that's what we'd like the most, a tax unregistered scheme, and we'd like one, ideally, like the judges have been given, where contributions aren't 14%, they're 4.26%. Their accrual isn't the same as ours, it's one in 40th accrual. Lifetime allowance and annual allowance does not apply. And when they get their lump sum, there is a compensation scheme to pay off the tax for them. So that's one way of doing it. You may remember, and it's an alternative, you may remember back in 2019-20, we had a compensation scheme. Uh, that's where employers basically will indemnify us against the costs of the annual allowance charge. There is no reason why that could not be done annually. So there are lots of different things that can be done. Lots has been already achieved on pensions. So the pensions team have worked hard on partial retirement, changes to contributions coming, and the McLeod remedy uh, trundles on, but much more needs to be done with pensions. And we need government to take us seriously on finding a solution that works for consultants as a group. If we don't fix our pay review body, the DDRB, we will be back at square one. And in fact, the corruption of the DDRB process is at the root of all of this pay erosion. That's what's happened. The DDRB, very briefly, was set up in 1960 because there was industrial strife before that. 
you know, doctors were a bit nervous about going into the NHS because they didn't have a monopoly employer and they felt pay would be held back. And lo and behold, pay was held back. So that caused trouble. And there was a Royal Commission for three years which decided some basic principles, the key one of which was that if you work from a monopoly employer, you needed a totally independent pay review body that was going to revalue pay on the basis of inflation, comparative professions and recruitment and retention. Seems really sensible. Unfortunately, government's corrupted that process. So our calls, and we've written to government about this, uh, the first thing we need is a multi-year review of consultants' take-home pay against the original terms of the DDRB. That needs to happen. And that's the kind of redressing for our pay erosion. Government's got to acknowledge that the DDRB must be independent. So no more constraint letters. They write every year telling the DDRB what they can and can't pay. On the front page of the DDRB report, it's got uh, limits as to what they can pay. The people on the DDRB must be the great and good. They can't be people that are NHS staffers. They, they need to be people from business, from banking, from the city, etc., etc. They need to have that kind of helicopter view rather than what's going to work within the surface. And when the DDRB was set up, all of these people were supposed to be confirmed with the, uh, with the BMA and the British Dental Association before being put on the committee. And that needs to happen again. We all need to submit our data in time and government need to respond on time as well and need to get on with it. And they need to stop using doctors and the rest of the NHS and the people in the public sector as some sort of piggy bank that when times get hard, they can keep our pay back. And then when times get better, our pay doesn't catch up. It's just not fair. So what are we doing? As you'll know, if you check your emails, you'll have a consultative ballot will have arrived. It's not a strike ballot directly, but we need to understand exactly what your feeling is. Regard it as a strike ballot. Vote yes if you would take action. Vote yes if you think we should take action. I appreciate some of you might feel you can't take action because of your specialty. If you feel we should be taking action as a profession, still vote yes. But if you're in a position where you can take action, you vote yes, make sure that you do want to take action. The next thing is... We need a 50% turnout in any real ballot. So turnout for this is really, really important. We do want everybody to vote. And a vital bit of that is talking to colleagues, including the ones that you don't think are on your team and convincing them to vote and vote yes. And then we're going to use that to put pressure on government because we don't really want to take strike action. We would like to agree this, that, that remains. But if we do need to have industrial action, we would be using Christmas Day service type strike action. And it may be all consultants at once or we may be doing it by specialty to mix things up and make things just a bit trickier. Now, lots of people say we'll lose public support. This is a disaster. It's craziness. Well, if you look at the feedback from uh, from independent surveys, this shows that the public have a lot of support for us. They know what we went through in the pandemic. They know that doctors are in short supply. They know that there are other bits of the world which pay doctors considerably better. So we are second only to the nurses in terms of public support. The other thing I would point out to you is that right at the bottom of the list of barristers who have the worst public support when asked, you might note that they took industrial action uh, at the end of last year and they won their industrial action and they got their 15%. So although I totally think the public support is important, uh, we need to keep these things in perspective. We cannot do this from the centre. We absolutely need everybody to join in. So what we need people to do is on a cascaded basis, speak to people in their departments. So if you're just an ordinary rank and file consultant, 
chat to people in your department. That's the most important thing to do. If you want to uh, do more, reach out to other people in other departments, form a, a WhatsApp group to fix pay, pensions and pay review process. Definitely do that. Talking to colleagues and getting colleagues to open their email and to vote is absolutely vital. And connect up with the LNC and the Medical Staff Committee because they are probably going to be coordinating on this in most people's hospitals. And remember, this is the last bit. This is all based on fairness. It is not fair that your pay is already down by 35% to last April. Goodness knows what it'll be this April. And ask yourself this: these final questions. If we don't do this then what do we do? And if we don't do it now, then when do we do it? Thanks very much for listening. Take care and definitely vote.